P. Ryan is in. One timeout for Cincinnati. And going deep into the end zone and caught by Chase. Oh, my goodness, what a crab. 34-yard touchdown throw. Burrow back to throw. Fires deep down the yeah. sideline. Chase wide oh, open. Oh, oh. Touchdown. Man. Bengals. Unreal. Hello and welcome to episode 169 of Cincinnati, the Bengals UK podcast. My name is Paul Holmes. Welcome back to more chat. Uh, of course, we are three weeks, only three weeks away from the NFL draft. And uh, I think everyone's getting more excited. The mock drafts are becoming more frequent and more frenzied. There's uh, chat about who the Bengals have invited along for visits and meetings and dinners and all sorts of things. So we're getting a bit of a clearer picture uh, about how or who they might have their eye on. Uh, But right now, I certainly have my eye on Nathan Palmer. Nathan, hello. How you doing, my son? Getting edging ever closer, aren't we, to some more some more frantic action in the NFL offseason? That's right. Uh, are you are you excited about the draft now? Are you getting there? I still feel like I'm on a massive come down from that January, <laughs> if I'm completely honest. I also feel like free agency was one of the more exciting, if not the most exciting free agency that we've had as a franchise for a very long time. So I just... I. I January especially, I mean, I think all the Bengals fans, especially ones in London that went to some of the meetups and stuff, it was such a mental month, you know, these mm. crazy sort of Saturday night games and everyone getting together and the the raw emotion of, um, you know, obviously winning those games, making the Super Bowl, the weeks leading up to the Super Bowl, that I just have found it really difficult this offseason. I mean, it, it's just, it's been a bit of a... I just think it's really zapped me. I mean, I'll be absolutely plugged in, ready to go again, um, you know, probably a week, two leading up to the draft. And obviously, certainly when the preseason, everything gets underway. But I don't know about you. It just it really was just a crazy, crazy um, long season, just exciting and everything else. And I just I'm getting older now, son. You know, I've got got to (laughs) sort of take it day by day. Yeah, the stamina's not what it used to be, is it? We were just chatting off air and we, we've said we've been doing this podcast almost five years. It's outrageous, isn't it? And, you know, I was only 21 when I started this podcast, Nathan. <laughs> and now... I thought you were 22, I was sure of it. <laughs> and now I feel tired all the time and make noises when I sit down and get up again and uh, <laughs> I took my uh, nephew because obviously it's the Easter break I took my nephew because he has one-on-one coaching football coaching or soccer coaching so um, I took him along today and his coach was a guy that I used to play with and I hadn't seen him for like 35 years how about that and um, so I had a bit of a kick and he's like a football coach and he's played you know, he's played football for league clubs and non-league clubs and all the rest of it. So he's actually had a career, whereas I didn't, for, through choice, I have to say. Um, and I thought, I'll have a little kick around with him. I'll have a little kick around with him. I'll show him what I've still got in the locker. Uh, listener, I'm here to tell you that um, I didn't have that much in the locker. I was aching after about two minutes and he was running rings around me. So it's like, yeah, all right, mate. I haven't seen you for 35 years, and you're pulling my pants down, not literally. Um, so, yes, feeling my age. Uh, and you're right, it was it was an emotionally invested whirlwind roller coaster. But I, I feel like there's only so much we can keep saying that, Nathan. We have to... We have to take out the broom and brush the decks, clear the decks of all everything and be ready to go for a new season. Oh, what, absolutely, what not, absolutely. I mean, I think it's I think it's a very pivotal draft. I mean, just like the off season was a really pivotal off season. The goal now I mean the goal every year is the Super Bowl, but I think realistically all fans will be saying, look, there's no reason we can't go one better. The roster's probably gonna be a bit better than it was, if not almost certainly a bit better than it was the year before and this draft gives us that opportunity to make it that much better and to really compete with some of these teams that have retooled in the AFC. So it's almost certainly going to be the most exciting season, certainly and from an anticipation perspective that we've had. Um, 
And this draft is crucial. If we can land a couple of guys in the first round, second round, maybe even later round guy that can come in and make a difference and really um, add some value to us on the field as a bonus. That Again, that could be the difference between us making the playoffs, us going deep in the playoffs, or us winning the Super Bowl. So, a and big I, draft. I do think, well, you know, again, mentioned it before, our draft coverage is trying to kind of cut through all the chat and let, try and let you know because there's a lot of chatter around, isn't it? Mock draft here, people arguing about arm lengths and names and, you know, players and who's going to be the best fit and, you know, whatever. And it can get a bit overwhelming and a bit boring, frankly, let's face it. Um, but, um, yeah, it was interesting listening to Dave Lapham's podcast uh, in the trenches this week. He had Duke Tobin on and uh, he kind of made the point, actually, that... Um, Picking at 31 at the end of the draft, I mean, we're so used to picking early in the draft. Uh, picking at the end of the draft uh, is is a lot different and, in fact, perhaps even harder work because you have to widen your your gaze a little bit, you know, uh, to include yeah, lots yeah. more players that you... That's I really mean, at the top of the draft, you know, last year, I keep saying it was either Chase or Sewell, right? So there's two... Obviously, they did their due diligence on, you know all the guys that they liked you know uh but in this in this uh, position at the bottom of the first round they're just i mean they can go in any direction they've done a really nice job of filling out their roster and you know there's some there's some obvious holes to fill as we mentioned last week um yeah. but um they've got starters in every position pretty much uh so therefore they can be a little bit looser a little bit not quite as fixed on a particular personal position it is you know best player available he said because of that you know his team have had to come up with a bigger list of players to include into that kind of uh in that approach which i found really quite interesting really do you, do you believe him that his best player available i mean obviously they're not going to take a, quarter, a quarterback but i mean do you seriously buy that they could be interested in like a potential receiver or something you know just who they value to be the best guy on the board or you know even a even someone that perhaps they you know like obviously the running back you're not going to take i mean i, I think it's within reason that it's best player available isn't it? yeah i think you're right i think it's exactly that within reason i don't think they're going to go because like if you take someone in the first round you've got the fifth year options it's a it's a lot more a lot more of a financial investment do you know what i mean not just yeah, I mean, okay, I, I think it's, it's someone like, like Jamison Williams, if he somehow dropped down to 31, I just can't see the Bengals being able to justify that being their no, first pick. I, I mean, Jamison Williams will probably be a very, very good receiver, but, you know, where on earth would he fit in? He's not going to be playing full exactly, from the depth side. Yeah, exactly. They, they've already got a lot of uh, resources tied up into the wide receiver room. Uh, and running back is pretty solid, I think. Um and also definitely not worth a first-round pick. No, it's not worth the... F I mean, for receiver, you do... I think they will pick up a receiver, actually. I yeah. mean, there was reports yeah. saying that they'd met with the Bearcats' Alec Pierce today, which I think yeah. would make a lot of people happy if, if he got drafted in, say, round three or four or something. So you're looking yeah. for depth in that wide receiver room because you've already got Chase, Higgins, Boyd. You know, there's a lot of not just talent in that room, but also financial resources tied up in that room. Yeah, so yeah, you don't yeah. want to necessarily add too much to that. Um, yeah. But yeah, so within reason, you know, I mean, I've seen, uh, I've seen one, um, one mock draft uh, give us a linebacker. And you're kind of like, well, we don't really need a linebacker, do we? Because uh, Akeem Davis Gaither hopefully will be back from injury next season. Jermaine Pratt, Joe Batchy as well, back from injury. You know, Logan Wilson, from what used to be uh, a position of weakness, is now a position of strength, I would argue. But, you know, Jermaine Pratt is out of contract next year. And um, yeah, I mean, like, so you've always got one eye on the future, haven't you, as well as, you know. Yeah, and I'd caution, like, I mean, Joe Batchy played well at the end of last season when he got a couple of games. But, I mean, I'd be careful, you know, just defining someone as a good player off the back of that. I mean, he's oh, still yeah, very course, much... Yeah. Is, inexperience everything else so you're basically saying like you said logan wilson's a fantastic linebacker he's a real leader on that defense as you mentioned jermaine pratt's going to be out of contract and davis gaither's still very very young and he's learning and we're yet to really see if, mm. if he's a real top mm. talent so again i think i wouldn't be completely against the linebacker in round one but i wouldn't say it's probably our no. 
best use of resource, you know. Um, yeah, absolutely. But best player could be, as I say, could be a linebacker. It could be a cornerback, which would fit a need. Because you look at all yeah, the Yeah, I, I really, the, I really do the, think cornerback is very yeah. much in play. Uh, you look at defensive tackle and or pass rusher. So certainly someone who can rush the passer from the inside is a need. And also you look at the guys who might be available, certainly in rounds one and two, you know, they seem to be around that area. So that could be an option for them. What about an edge rusher? You know, Joe, lots of talk from fans about the fact that Joseph Asai will be back, which is fantastic. Um, however... Who knows what it's going to be like? We have only seen him in the smallest sample size, and he was fantastic against reserves uh, in a preseason yep. game. A yep, lot of people yep. saying he's going to be an amazing, and he may well be. And you know, obviously, I hope he, he hope he does. But there's a you know, there's a chance no, that expectations might be being pitched a little bit too high. So, you know, Joseph Asai allied to Sam Hubbard and Trey Hendrickson, and but you've still got Khalid Kareem, Cam Sample, all those guys that are yet to take a big jump. Um, so do you go, you know, if you've got this monster pass rusher at 31, um, you know, do you take him? Because he could be the best player available. Or do you go back to the offensive line? We've been talking about the, the, the the defense. Do you go, if, 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 uh, if, um, anyway, I'll, I'll leave, I'll leave these questions because we're going to bring back an old favorite later on, um, and we've also got a special guest this week. We we tend to try and repeat uh, our cycle of draft coverage. So the first episode is always the British Bengals fans uh, roundtable, which we had last week. Fantastic stuff from Dadders and Co. And this week we've got Dave Lapham. Next week we've got uh, Joe Goodbury. And in the week lead, the few days leading up to the draft, um, I think it's just going to be me and you, Nathan, and maybe we'll get Dockers on to chat about final. Our, our players, our draft crushes, what we're going to be looking out for. The, the real experts. <laughs> yeah. Well, this is the thing. I can't, I'm not, I'm not one of those guys that goes too deeply into the draft. I obviously, you know, keep a big eye out on what's going on and all the rest of it. Uh, but when you get someone like a Joe Gabri and Andrew Dockerell and Dadders and his crew, they're really into the minutiae of, of the drafting process uh so it's best to let them get on with it but of course everyone has their draft crushes everyone kind of thinks that they they know what the bengals should do uh and that's kind of quite annoying because frankly they don't you know what i mean only the bengals and duke and the front office know what their big boards look like you know and who they've got rated over the next player and all we can do is guess and that's what the draft industry is, really, isn't it? It's just a bunch of people uh, guessing what uh, the Bengals might want to do or might be the best fit for them, and they make a whole career out of it. But anyway, that's another thing. Um, so we've got Dave Lapham coming up in a few minutes, and as ever, he's well worth a listen to, our old friend Dave. Um, so what else do you want to talk about between now and then? Do you know something that I've, I've been having a look at this week that I think is going to be an interesting one? A number of the mock drafts I've been looking at and yeah. certainly been running on PFF, the one thing that worries me a little bit, in a lot of them, a lot of the guys that are being mocked to us are gone. Got, I mean, I've just got one in front of me now that I literally just ran before we, um, before mm. we came on air, and you've got... Kenyon Green going at 28 to the Packers, the guard from Texas A&M. Yeah. Tyler Linderbaum, the centre from Iowa at 26 to the Titans. Zion Johnson going to the Bills. Um, Bernard Ryman going to the Cardinals. So a lot of those, um, you know, a lot of those interior linemen and offensive tackles going off the board before the Bengals pick. And that leaves you in a slightly precarious situation where you look at the best players available. You've got Sam Howell. Kaya Elam, the cornerback from Florida. Yeah. Jalen Pitree, the cornerback from Baylor. Sky Moore, a wide receiver. You know, you can go on and on. But there's not really any sort of obvious people on the offensive line there that you'd want to take. And obviously the top prospects that everyone's mocking to us and saying, oh, you know, these are the guys that we think the Bengals will be interested in. These are the good players. They're not necessarily there. And I'm wondering, you know, obviously the draft will play out a lot differently mm. than these PFF mocks and some of the other mocks out there. But 
I think there's definitely the Bengals are going to sit in there quite nervously when it gets into the twenties, and you've got some of those sort of top line prospects on the board. Because I know Duke Tobin's come out and said, "Look, it's best player available." He's got to say that because he wants everyone to think around the NFL that you know the Bengals could be in the market for a cornerback, they could be in the market for a linebacker, a few other positions to keep it open and not sort of telegraph their pick like they have in the past, but. You and I both know that 90% of mock drafts out there from experts are saying the Bengals are going to take a tackle. The Bengals need a tackle really long term, a young guy with a high sort of high ceiling, even though they did go and get three very, very good free agents in. So I think the thing that's going to happen for the Bengals is they're going to be sat there in the 20s and it's going to be very nervous and they're going to think, well, do we need to trade up here? And I know they're not big fans of doing that, but I really do think that they might need to, or at least think about it, depending on how the board's going in the lead-up to their pick. I think they're more likely to trade down, to be honest with you. If none of the guys that they really love are there, then they might trade back into the top, you know, But, top but do you then side. risk... The, do you well, you do. Risk, it is a risk. It is a I mean, risk. Then you, yeah. then you start getting, obviously, the person that you're going to draft later in the second round or, you know, towards the back end of the second round if you sort of keep yourself in there... They're like less likely to be an impact starter as someone that you're going to get at the back end of the first round. And it's not really, especially with the sort of depth on the roster that we've got now, do we need extra picks? I know we don't have any supplemental picks in this draft, and no. that's something to I think we've got one, consider. or maybe one in the seventh, I think, an extra one in the seventh, maybe. Yeah, but I mean, that, that's what I mean. It's like we've got less picks than we have in the past, so... Potentially, they may want an extra one, um, but I'd, I'd love to see him be aggressive. I think if they if they really decide, right, Zion Johnson's the guy. You know, he's going to come in, he's going to replace Quinton Spain, he's going to start at guard. We rate him. You know, the, the coaches are loving him. Um, Frank Pollock's banging the table, saying, "Look, I want this geezer. He's there at 24, 25. You think the Titans might want him? You think maybe you know, maybe even the Bucks will want him. Whatever it might be to replace." Um, Kapper we took from them Um, you know do you jump ahead of them do you just go out there chuck a sort of I don't know what it would take maybe a third or something to jump up five six spots uh, maybe a pick next year a second next year whatever it might take do you be aggressive and say look this is the guy we want we're here to win now we're not in the business of you know sort of getting good value anymore yeah, I mean, it's a fair point. Uh, I, I mean, it's very... Uh, I'd, I'd be surprised if the Bengals did that because historically they just don't do that. But you're right, it's different this time because the window is wide open, isn't it? And you do want to take advantage of it while it's open. So why not be aggressive if, if they want to take a Zion Johnson or a Kenyon Green or a Tyler Linderbaum? You know, what, what's to stop them being aggressive in training up? You know, um, it's all very fascinating. And this is why I think the draft is fascinating, because it's not just which players, but, you know, how are you going to go about it to get the players that you want, you know, if you do. Anyway, should we see what Dave has to say about all this? Let's get him on. Well, as promised, it is the man, the legend. Uh, What can I say? Well, you know Dave Lapham. You can hear him all the time, everywhere. He's magnificent, a great player in his time, an AFC champion. And, of course, the voice of the Bengals alongside Dan Horde uh, in the Bengals booth. And uh, he was especially magnificent this year during the Super Bowl run. It's always a treat to have him on. He's so good to us. It's Dave Lapham. Dave, how are you doing? Oh, I'm doing well and uh, came so close. It was, it was unbelievable. Uh, inside of a minute, less than a minute to play and, uh, and just could not quite reach for the the world championship trophy far enough but boy it was a heck of a run wasn't it oh, it really was what a what a brilliant season and I, we haven't had a chance to talk really since um well since last year we email occasionally but you know it's uh we haven't had a chance to talk about that run it as a as a former player someone who's been associated with the club for so long someone who's been to the super bowl yourself it must have been so much fun last year for you personally right it really was. You know, when I look back on it, December 12th, the Bengals lost in overtime to the 49ers, a heck of a football team, uh, you know, played the great game and lost to Paul Brown Stadium in, in overtime. And they were seven and six. And I thought to myself, well, you know, if you can win a couple of games, you know, get get over 500, be a nine and eight team, maybe get crawl into the playoffs uh, as a 
you know, as a as the final wild card and make a little bit of noise, that would be great. And then they go on a classic run. I mean, they finished the season six and one. The only loss is in the last minute in the Super Bowl. And they they were very fortunate in that they did exactly what every team wants to do. Play your best at the most opportune time. I mean, they peaked at exactly the right time and they beat, you know, good football teams. Heck, they beat the Kansas City Chiefs twice in the month of January, once in Cincinnati and once in the championship in Kansas City. And they were both, you know, outstanding football games. And they beat a lot of really good football teams in that uh, that six six week run right there because, you know, a bunch of them were in the playoffs. They had they had dramatic wins. In the playoffs, there's no question about it. They played really, really sound football, and particularly defensively, they made they made a lot of things happen, Paul. Oh, it was so much fun. Take me back, Dave. Take me back to those December times when we were kind of thinking, hold on a minute, what's what's going on here? They seem to have caught lightning in a bottle and they just carried on, didn't they? It was it was brilliant. I mean we could talk about that all day, and I'm sure we will at some point privately. But um, we always try and get you on during the draft. And uh, But before we get to that real quick, um, this past year, something else has happened. You've launched your own podcast, and it's fantastic. Uh, what, just real quick, um, what made you do that? Because you're asked by people like me every year to come on their podcast. So did you kind of think, hold on a minute? Maybe I should do my own podcast. It would, did that was that behind your thinking uh, for in the trenches? Yeah, I think I think a little bit. You know, I, I've done uh, done quite a few podcasts with folks, like you say, and and uh, first our logistics. The, the people that I work with have been, you know, very very kind in 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 terms of you know providing me a studio at their facility, uh, and uh, they they put some resources into it. So I thought, well, you know, I get this 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 has a chance to work. And uh, it, it's been a lot of fun. There's no question. It's you always find something out that, you know, you really didn't know um, or you might hear it a different way than you had heard it before. Uh, so, yeah, it's, it's fascinating. I mean, during the course of a good conversation that, that like in your podcast, Paul, I mean, things are things are unearthed and discussed that maybe you didn't necessarily think it was going to go in the direction that it went. It's a lot of fun. Mm. In the Trenches with Dave Lapham is is the podcast. So go and check it out. Dave has some fantastic guests on. I mean, it's all over your podcast uh, providers, whatever which one you go to. But go and check it out if you haven't already. In the Trenches with Dave Lapham. There's no place I'd rather be, Dave, in the trenches with you. I must say. But um, um, but let's talk about the Bengals because it's been a bit of a whirlwind since the Super Bowl. They finished the season late. Hey, not complaining. No complaints. This this end right. But they go straight into it. They make. Uh, they've obviously had a plan during free agency. They went out and got their guys. And where where do you see the Bengals roster right now? I think it's in uh, in in pretty good shape going into the roster. You know, I mean, Paul, let, let's let's look back to last year's draft. Uh, you draft three offensive linemen in in the second, fourth, and sixth round. Um, and, and those guys, with a year under their belt of knowing what life's like in the National Football League, the expectations, uh, the talent that you're facing, the adjustments you have to make physically in order to compete against that talent, and then um, getting indoctrinated, indoctrinated into the coaching of Frank Pollock and then having him back from a continuity standpoint, you know, you, you would think that, uh, that, that Jackson Carmen, Deontay Smith, and Trey Hill would make a progression from year one to year two. And, and, and I know I did my rookie year to my second year in the NFL was like, okay, well, I went from didn't know what I didn't know to, and I think I understand some of this, you know, it's uh, it's, it's definitely, um, definitely a big transition year for you. And it'd be interesting to see how, how these guys transition. And then, like you said, supplement that with going out and signing the, the free agent, uh, offensive linemen that they did I mean they've got themselves three starters you know I mean there's there's no question about it so between last year's draft and this year's free agency you've got six offensive linemen that uh, are gonna what kind of an impact will they have it, it you it looks to me like you know the entire offensive line may have all new starters it may be a whole new group and obviously that was the the, the, the vulnerable spot to this uh, roster last year. They gave up 70 quarterback sacks 
51 in the regular season, 19 in the postseason. They gave up six in the second half of the Super Bowl to the Rams, seven sacks in that game. They gave up nine sacks uh, in, in another playoff game. You know, those, those kind of numbers you, you can't <laughs> normally can't win with. The fact that the Bengals were able to win uh, with that going on is a tribute to Joe Burrow, is a tribute to the defense, is a tribute to a lot of things. But I think having improved their offensive line through free agency and the draft last year, and not to say that not going to draft any uh, in this year's draft, there's there's some good uh, good offensive linemen. And they, they put themselves in a position, Paul, with that 31st pick in the draft um, to, you know, draft the best player available. Let the board talk to you, you know, and uh, don't reach for any specific position. I think they've got pretty darn good uh, roster makeup. Now it's they're adding depth, you know, and I think I think that um, they 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 can they can wait wait and see what 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 develops what crops up at thirty one and and you know Jeff Hobson has a great uh, a great piece on Bengals.com today talking about uh, guys that were drafted with that thirty first pick in Bengals history Bill Berge arguably one of the best defensive players of all time at middle linebacker was drafted thirty first Icky Woods was drafted thirty first. And so many guys were drafted, you know, in the second round um, in the 30s, you know, anywhere from 30 to 38. Uh, uh, Chad Johnson, Chad Ochocinco, you know, uh, Chris Collinsworth, Carl Pickens, uh, Harold Green. I mean, the list goes on and on. So there's there's a good player. They're going to be able to get at 31. And the other interesting thing to me, Paul, is, is uh, I'm not sure that the Bengals are thinking about moving up. But now you hear about boy the quarterbacks in this year's draft. There's really not you know top ten quarterbacks, although somebody might get taken in the top ten because it's such a need that there's a desperation for that to fulfill that need. But toward the end of the first round, if only two quarterbacks are off the board, for example, and I've seen you know quarterbacks going 30, 31, 32, or 30 and 32. Say for example, a team is like. Oh boy, my, my guy, I might think about taking him in the second round, but I know the Detroit Lions might be thinking about taking him as well. And they're at 32 in the first round. I wonder if we should trade up to 31 with the Bengals to make sure we can get the quarterback that we want at the end of the first round instead of waiting to the second round and get that extra year in the rookie contract, that fifth year option. So if you don't take him in the first round, you don't get him locked up for five years. And we see how valuable that is now with Joe Burrow, you know, a first round quarterback, having a quarterback on a rookie contract for five years instead of four potentially. And I'm not saying they won't extend Joe, you know, before that fifth year, but to have that as a luxury in your salary cap can, uh, can have a big benefit. So I, I, I'm thinking that, you know, potentially teams are going to be calling the Bengals and saying, you know, what will it take to move up to 31? We want to take this quarterback and here's what we'll give you. Wouldn't shock me if the Bengals move back and pick up, you know, extra picks and so doing uh, as a possibility. Who knows? Um, it's interesting, isn't it? We're not used to picking this low. Let's let's face it. We were, you know, during the Marvin years, we picked in the kind of twenties, but certainly not this low. And uh, I want to. You, you touched on the offensive line there. There's a few things I want to touch on with you. If that's okay, the the offensive line. Obviously, as you said, the vulnerable part of the team, there's no disguising. I don't think the front office have disguised it either. They, they certainly haven't in their free agency dealings. They've gone straight to the offensive line. And as you say, got three new starters, which is incredible. Um, there's a school of thought out there. We don't really need to hit the offensive line in the draft because we've kind of sorted it out in free agency. But what if a Tyler Linderbaum, what if a Kenyon Graham, what if a Zion Johnson was there at 31? Does that come down to best play available again? You know, they're not necessarily reaching for a guy, but if a guy is there on the offensive line, getting Tyler Linderbaum, Mook Harris out to left guard, you know, then suddenly you're, you really are set uh, at, uh, uh, on the line, aren't you? What, what do you feel about offensive line that high and that early? I, I don't think it's uh, been eliminated for the reasons that you say, if, if for whatever reason, I mean, now I'm, I'm seeing the latest, some of the latest mock drafts coming out where 
edge rushers are going one, two, and three. First mm. three picks of the draft are mm. edge rush. So if a run is made on edge rush people, what if a run they decide, okay, well, on draft day, it decides to be, you know, we really need to protect backside of our franchise quarterback. What if a run happens on offensive tackles uh, and, and offensive linemen in general? So it, it all depends on how the draft unfolds. You don't know, you know, where the, where the run is going to be, what position group it's going to be, how it's going to take place. But I, I think, honestly, if on their board, they're in the process now, they've, they've done the, the combine, they've done the uh, pro days. Now they're making their individual campus visits to dig, to, to drill down deeper into these players and to get hands on them and, and, and meet them more in meetings and people around campus that they interview about them, not just teammates and coaches, but equipment guys and trainers and other students, whatever, professors, whatever the case may be. They're doing their due diligence now on prospects and they're bringing guys to Cincinnati as well that they want to take a look at that didn't get invited to the combine might be college free agent types or whatever. So they're finishing all that process. And then next week it starts where they start to assemble their boards. Now the scouts have, have been making a board all year. They, they put their board up in May, right after the, the draft the prior year, the 2022 board started after April uh, at the end of April last year in 2021, and they tweak it and move it and all that sort of thing. It, it, but it's by position and they rank, you know, they, they put, they change the, the ranking of the players by position on that board. That board is the big board uh, by, on position by position, the top 20 quarterbacks, the top 30 tackles, the top, whatever that, that is uh, in flux all year uh, based on what the scouts come back with information on all of their work that they do all year long. This, this board that they're going to assemble now is like the top 50 or however many prospects doesn't matter the position. Who do we think are the top 50 players in the draft? Maybe the top uh, 60, whatever odd players in the draft to cover their second round pick. And they're going to stay with that board. And if, if they get to 31 and for whatever reason, the guy that they have number 18 on their board, doesn't matter what position that guy is. If that guy's there at number 18, that they thought he was the 18th best player in the country, and he's still there at 31, they're pulling the trigger. Mm-hmm. You know, I, other than other than quarterback, and I don't think it would be quarterback this year anyway. But I think everything else, you know, I mean, it's 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 pretty much. I think they're going to let their board talk to them, uh, and like you say, Paul, I don't think they're going to reach for a specific position and and pass on the. The, the player that they have evaluated all year long as the best player at that spot. It's interesting, isn't it? Because you, you look at free agents, this is, it's always a good thing with the way the Bengals and Duke and the front office kind of operate. They, they do like to fill holes with talent in free agency, um, sometimes expensively, sometimes brilliant value, which they've done this year again, I think. But you can always see from the roster where they leave it so you can kind of see, okay, yeah, there's there's a bit of depth needed at cornerback. There's a bit of depth needed at defensive tackle, perhaps not the nose, but on the three technique, you know, there's a bit of depth needed there. There's, uh, especially with Larry Ogunjobi going, there's, you know, with Auden Tate going, um, there's a bit of depth needed in the wide receiver room which sounds crazy when we've just drafted T Higgins, Jamar Chase, et cetera, but it's all about depth, isn't it? So, I mean, am I, am I on the right lines there? Do you think the Bengals will be hitting those position groups during the draft as, as much as they can? I, I I do think so. I I think, I think they are, it's a, it's a good feeling. I think for them organizationally to be drafting for depth, like you're describing, as opposed to be drafting for a hole in a starting position. You know, it, it's like <clears throat> we feel pretty good about our 22 start or 22 quote starters. Now, you know, the, the 22 starters can change on a weekly basis, depending on what kind of defense you want to get the, the, the opponent in when you're operating offensively and what are the strengths. I mean, one week your starting offense may be four wides. The next week it might be three wides and a tight end. You know, I mean, it, it, it can vary a little bit. So there, to say that there's only 22 starters in today's NFL may be a little bit of a misnomer. I think, uh, you know, I think probably, you know, it, it becomes more like you have to have 25 to 30 guys, you know, that you feel, 
feel pretty good about in terms of uh, uh, taking care of all these uh, formations and personnel groupings and looks that uh, opposing teams are going to give you. But yeah, I, I agree. I mean, I, I think it would not shock me if the Bengals address the cornerback position a couple of times. I think they double down. I think they draft, you know, I don't know, say, say for example, um, at, at number 31, a corner that they had rated pretty highly is there. I think they jump at that opportunity to draft a corner. Um, they might have to think about the safety position if they can't come to terms with Jesse Bates. You know, when do you address the safety position? How early do you do it? Um, how good are the prospects? How quickly will the prospects at safety go? Um, but I, I would I would think that they would double down at um, you know at at the corner position at, at very at whatever points in the draft, whatever rounds that may be. The other thing is you can always use edge rush guys, but you know two edge rush people that we're not thinking about as much as probably uh, we should is the two guys that got hurt in last year's draft. They drafted Osai and they drafted Hubert. And uh, they had high regard for both of them, particularly Osai. I mean, Osai in that first preseason game against Tampa, he beat the, beat the tackle for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers like a drum and sacks Brady, you know, and, and was injured shortly thereafter. Joseph Osai projects to be a big influence at the, at the edge rush position. Uh, sample gave him some good snaps that they drafted last year, you know, off the edge. Osai can give him more snaps. So it's now you get, you got a couple of guys that you drafted last year that, that are basically Osai is almost a bonus pick in this year's draft because you didn't get anything out of them and expended a third round draft on them last year. Same with Hubert. Hubert's a guy that doesn't have the physical, natural physical talents and traits that Osai has, but man, he's tough. He's blue collar. He's a worker. He's a grinder. They love the guy. He's productive. So mm-hmm. you, you got a couple of guys that uh, you don't really know what you have yet, but you know you, you hope you have something. And then if you pick up another one in the draft, that's three edge guys that you're adding to the mix that you didn't have. And like you said, and I agree with you, Paul, very, very definitely agree with you. You got to fortify that three technique, you know. Um, so there's a bunch of a bunch of position groups that they can address. It's just a matter of uh, when and how, based on how their board unfolds. Oh, it's exciting, isn't it, Dave? It's the, one of the most exciting times of the year, I think, looking at all these players and trying to figure out uh, who can improve our team and what, you know who they're going to select. Um, as ever, Dave, I'm going to ask you for some names. Who, who, is you, who have you got your eye on uh, in this class? It, it might not be at the top of the draft. It could be mid-rounds. Any, have you got any, does Dave Lapham have draft crushes? <laughs> I'm still, I'm, I'm still because of the Super Bowl uh, responsibilities. I'm a little bit behind myself in the uh, the grading and the evaluation process. But I mean, there's there's a couple of from a cornerback position, and and I, I I'm kind of thinking that they they may end up uh, you know looking at uh, looking at that position a little bit if 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 there is if it makes sense. Uh, it would not shock me if if, if at 31. They, they go with a the corner. There's a guy here that made me think I might have to look at a little more tape of this. Tariq Woolen right. from uh, Texas, San Antonio, converted wide receiver, six foot four, Paul, ran a four two six. He's got almost, he's got over 33 and a half inch length to his arms, 42 inch vertical jump. That was the best of the combine. His 40 time was the second best of the combine. You know, obviously you got to look at the tape. He hasn't played like his combine numbers, you know, dictate that he should, but is, is he worth taking a flyer on, you know, obviously not with the 31st pick in the draft, but it makes you go back and, and look at, uh, look at tape a little bit more. But uh, you know, I, I would think that a guy that uh, a guy that kind of has some of the characteristics that in, in how, how, how quickly will the, will the run on cornerbacks occur? You know, Andrew Booth is a guy that is, is a ball hawk. Uh, he can play man and zone. He's got some versatility to him. The kid from Clemson, you know, I, I, I like uh, and, and I'm not sure that he'll be there, though. That's you know, that's the thing. Um, Trent McDuffie, one of the cornerbacks out of Washington. Um, you know, he's he's got some he's got some ability to him. There's there's a there's a good number. That's the thing. There's a there's a pretty good number of corners. It's a matter of which ones are going to going to be there and which ones are going to survive 
down that that late in the draft. When will the run on the cornerback position occur? Because in this day and age in the National Football League, with all the receivers and weapons you have out there, man, it's not you don't need three anymore. You have to have four and sometimes five cornerbacks that can that can go out there and and uh, and play coverage. And any defensive back that that Lou Anarumo says, you know what, this guy can play safety for me. He can play slot corner. He's got that type of versatility. You know, wh- whatever cornerback that they like most uh, with those type of uh, uh, capabilities to their uh, to their uh, physical, you know, dimensions. I think I think that that makes sense too. Is and and there are a few guys in the draft that way that, that have that uh, that versatility because that that's the one thing that defensively stood out to me, Paul, when they made their run. Lou Anarumo, he he had his guys doing a lot. He he would put players out on the field that he could rush. He could drop into coverage. You know, he could he could have play coverage uh, in the nickel. He could have them stay on the field and play safety. He had special guys come on the field to take away tight ends. I mean, he had he had a lot of versatility going within his personnel, uh, so that that allowed him a lot of uh, scheme versatility. And he didn't have to substitute to have that scheme versatility. The Kansas City Chiefs in that AFC Championship game, man, I mean, he only rushed three a good part of the time and dropped eight guys and dropped them different ways. And Patrick Mahomes, this is the first time. He made Patrick Mahomes, in my mind, in the second half of the AFC Championship game, look like a rookie in terms of trying to figure out what he was looking at in, in, on the, in the back end. And he just held the ball, held the ball, you know, never really did figure it out. I was surprised the Chiefs didn't run it a little bit more uh, to take advantage of the Bengals only having three basically in the box and dropping eight into coverage. But, um, you know, to, to have the versatility and personnel to be able to do that and, you know, like like Sam Hubbard, we've seen Sam Hubbard uh, rush a defensive end, rush a defensive tackle. He'll drop him off into coverage. He'll line him up as a linebacker and blitz him from the linebacker position. That's the type of versatility that I'm talking about from a personnel standpoint that allows you so much uh, structure versatility and what you can do defensively. And Lou Anarumo's all about that. So anybody that uh, that we're reading about and studying that has position versatility, my antennas go up because that's what Lou Anarumo is all about right there. Are you looking at perhaps a Daxton Hill or a Lewis sign, a kind of safety yeah. slot hybrid there at the back end of the first round? I'm so pleased you mentioned that Chiefs second half. That was remarkable, wasn't it? And I was going to, just to finish up, Dave, been very generous with time again. Um, uh, one of my favourite moments on the field, I think, was that Sam Hubbard spy sack in that AFC Championship game right down at the death where he dropped back into coverage and just kind of crouched, dare I say, like a tiger and saw kind of Mahomes moving around, had no one open and then, bam, he chose to quote Dave Lapham himself, bam, bam, bam. He, he chose his <laughs> moment. He sprinted through and took him down. That was one of my favourite moments. But I wanted to ask you, Dave, throughout the whole Super Bowl run with you and Dan, it might not be something on the field. You know, tell us your favourite moment, because I'm sure there was lots of magical moments, both on the field that you witnessed, but also the city, the the fandom, the the enthusiasm, the the whole city, from what I can read and have spoken to people about, kind of came together like, well, not since the last Super Bowl, you know, so... Um, have you got any favorite moments from, from last year? You know, I do. And, uh, uh, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to throw one other name in there that we're talking about this versatile uh, defensive back situation, mm. the kid from Baylor, the safety from Baylor, that Jatron, uh, Jalen Petrie, I think is his last name. Right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, he can play safety. He can play nickel corner. He's another guy that you, you know, when you're talking about your safeties that can play, you know, other, other positions. I mean, I think all those guys, I'm not sure they're all in the mix at 31, but those are the kind of guys in the mix where if they select a couple of corners, I think they'll have that type of or, or defensive backs, I should say. I think they'll have that type of position versatility to them. Mm-hmm. Um, one, one of my favorite moments, though, Paul, honestly, was before the game, even in the AFC championship game, orange and black invaded Kansas City. I mean, there were so many Bengal fans in Kansas City. It was like, oh, my gosh, man, this is unbelievable. 
And, you know, they, they, uh, they were in full throat in the stadium at the game. But, of course, you know, Kansas City, they, the Bengal fans are only allowed to have X number of tickets on the road. And they gobbled them up, everyone they could. But, boy, outside the stadium, they were just watching the game in throngs out there, you know, on a big screens. And it was, it was incredible, the, uh, the support that, that they got. And, and I found that when we went on the road in the playoffs, this team became, started to become a, fav, a, you know, a fan favorite of not just p, uh, fans in the city of Cincinnati, but they picked up a lot of fans around the country. And, and you do such a great job, Paul. I bet the Bengals picked up a bunch of fans in, in your group over there in England. I mean, I, I, think, I think internationally, uh, they, they, they rose you know, another level in terms of peaking interest in what they're doing, a young football team that making the noise that they made. But I, I think that part of it, um, and, and I think also the thing that, that um, you know, stands out to me is uh, when, when the Bengals lost the coin toss against the Kansas City Chiefs, and you're thinking, because now they, they changed the rule. It's like, boy, you know, we don't like the fact that the team can go right down and score offensively and the other team not have a, a possession of the football, particularly in the playoffs. So they changed the rule in the playoffs where everybody, each team gets a possession no matter what, uh, if a touchdown is scored or not. You know, they, they didn't like the fact that Buffalo, Kansas City, Mahomes took it, took uh, took care of business and Allen never got a chance to respond. And that was such a classic game and a game to watch. But the Bengals, you know, intercept the football and, and, and get possession of the football. It's one of I think I think the team that lost the coin toss is like two and 14 or something. The Bengals are one of the teams that won. Uh, the football game after losing the coin toss. And that's one of the reasons they made the rule change. So when, when Kansas City, uh, they, they won that coin toss at home, I'm thinking, ah, oh, boy. And then the Bengals defense steps up and gets the takeaway, and the Bengals uh, put the points on the board. But defensively, you think about it. I mean, you know, the Bengals are backed up in their, you know, in their playing goal line defense, and Jesse Bates makes an interception. And it, it's just that the defense had – some unbelievably well-timed uh, turn turnovers, takeaways. I think the defense had like four interceptions in four playoff games. I mean, they they were they were taking the ball away at a regular rate. Uh, so I, I think those those kind of things start to come to mind. There's no doubt. I chuckled during when you in recognition when you mentioned the coin toss against the Chiefs because we had a meetup a watch party and uh, everyone sort of filed out there. It was quite a small place and um, everyone sort of just filed out when at the end of regulation, everyone filed out. Well, not everyone, but a handful of people filed out into the streets just to either get a breath or smoke a cigarette or both or whatever, you know, just take a moment to kind of collect themselves. And then the word came out that, we had lost the coin toss and there was a collective, oh no, you know, we've come back so far and we lost the coin toss against the Chiefs. And then thankfully, as you say, the defence stepped up. Um, Dave, so many magical memories. Thanks again for your part in, in bringing those memories to us. Honestly, do not underestimate how important you and Dan's coverage, uh, you know, is during the season, especially last season. What a wonderful ride you guys had and uh, you, you know you you kind of relayed that brilliantly to us and kept us all excited and thank you as ever for the support support it's it's always a, a delight to talk to you Dave and um, best of luck for the for the new season let's go get it again yeah really let's uh, let's run it back as they say that's the new uh, the new term everybody's using but let's run it back and it's uh it, it, it's great catching up with you again Paul you're, you're you've become a great friend and uh, you know we got a, we got that common denominator of the love of football. There's no doubt about that. And you do such a great job, you know, with uh, with all the people that that are, are are part of your support of the Cincinnati Bengals in in uh, in England. And it, it's 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 just incredible. I mean, um, having done NFL Europe uh, work to see how um, the 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 pop popularity of the game in, uh, in the NFL in in, in Europe is just blown up and it's due to people like you paul and and i congratulate you and applaud you man thanks dave it means a lot let's talk soon but in the meantime um take it easy man thanks for the time and uh 
uh, here's to the new season. But enjoy your vacation first. Enjoy the downtime first before you get back on the ride again. Appreciate you. You're the best, Paul. Here you go, the fantastic David Lappin. Um, always a treat. Genuinely, always a treat. He has been, I cannot tell you how fantastic he's been with us and um, what uh, a dude he's been in terms of help and encouragement. Hey, I mean, what? I mean, it's, yeah, all I can say is what a guy, you know, what a fantastic guy. Oh, I couldn't have said it any better. I mean, he's been there from the start for us. He's been a huge advocate and supporter. Just such a great bloke when you meet him and so friendly and upbeat. I remember he sent me a fantastic 30th birthday message a couple of years ago. And I mean, just one of the real good guys. Yep. No, I agree. And uh, I mean, a great insight as well. Great insight. And this is the interesting thing that I took from that. From I took away from lots of things, but... There's a couple of interesting players at the bottom of the first, top of the second, that are listed as defensive backs. We're talking... Uh, actually, do you know what, Nathan? Let's bring yeah. back this old favourite that I've been promising, and it covers all this in this. So uh, let's bring it back. Rewind. Rewind bow. <laughs> Now, um, <laughs> do you remember what that is? I absolutely have no idea what that is. Really? So you remember the name game and what else do we play? First and Ten and Bengaldi Blank and all this kind of... But you don't remember Pick Six? No, I don't think I do. That's probably because, to be fair, we've only done it once. And um, so basically, it's just it's not really a game. It's just six questions really that need to be answered and um we've covered some of them but you can be as short or as quick as you like uh, about this so just six questions pertaining to the situation that we are now in nathan okay yep if tyler linderbaum is available at 31 do you take him yeah i think so for sure yeah, I like the sound of it. He's 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 kind of uh, you know he's expected to go you know much higher. Uh, the fact is that he's a centre, and not many teams have uh, need for a centre at this moment in time because you know the the teams higher up the draft tend to have more explicit and acute needs. Do you know what I mean? So they don't tend to go best player available. Uh, so Tyler Linderbaum, who is is by all accounts the best centre in the draft by a country mile, there's a few knocks on him, his shorter arms and all that. The fact that he doesn't have any positional versatility. So you, if you draft him, then he's going to be a centre. He's not. He, he couldn't. He's not big enough or strong enough to kick out to a guard or or whatever. You know, he is a centre through and through. And there's a few questions about his strength in terms of moving massive men. When needed, but he, his technique, by all accounts, is fantastic. Have you um, ever moved a massive man before, some? Not recently. <laughs> Su- I suppose the suplex had come as close to that, but he wasn't massive, that geezer. There was he sort of a reasonably normal sized bloke. Yeah, well, anyway, whatever. Um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, I think I'd take him because then you could you could put him at centre and put Ted Karras at left guard. And yeah, there's your guard replacement for Quentin Spain, arguably. Also, uh, an upgrade there as well. So that would 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 uh, would solve that problem, whilst upgrading the centre position quite nicely. You would hope. Okay, if Linda, uh, we've talked about this as well. So um, if Linderbaum and one or both of Zion Johnson or Kenyon Green are there at thirty-one, do you take them? Sorry, scratch the Linderbaum. But if one of Zion Johnson or Kenyon Green are there at thirty-one, do you take them? Because you know, this this draft is supposed to, from what we're hearing, it's supposed to be about the defence. Uh, you know, we've spent, last year we spent heavily on the defence in free agency and drafted offence. This year we spent heavily in offence and this year it's supposed to be defence in the draft. But if Zion Johnson, the guards, Zion Johnson or Kenyon Green are there, uh, do you take one of them? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. I mean, if you're saying some of the other guys have gone, I think there'd be some really good value there. And it would make sense for the Bengals for sure to to pick one of them up. Like we said, we've got a bit of a gap there at the moment at guard. It's a bit sort of um, 
you know, it's a bit like that's the one position I think on the team that from a starter perspective that yes, you could start Jackson Carmen um, and you hope he had a, has a really good training camp. But certainly at the very least, if we were to get one of those guys, um, either Johnson or Green, they could come in and at the very least offer very stellar competition in training camp um, and fight mm. for that starting spot. Now, this harks back to something that Dave said, and it interested me because uh, Paul Dana and Jay Morrison said this on Hear That Podcast, Growling. And, of course, you trust those guys for insights into the Bengals and, you know, they do a lot of work in looking at the history of uh, how the team is selected and who this team is selected and where they've selected certain positions and all the rest of it. So they do know what they're talking about. Daxton Hill, Lewis Seen and Jalen Petrie um, are seen as do-it-all defensive backs. Uh, they played... Some play the slot some are projected at safety some are good enough to go on the outside as as a cornerback but the key thing is is positional versatility and Dave mentioned that in his chat that Lou Anaruma who is a defensive backs coach originally so he knows his onions he's turned Eli out from onions to apple Um, one of your classics, Sam. That's right, yeah. Segway or what? Um, he's turned Eli Apple into a viable starter in the NFL, and that shouldn't be uh, underestimated. How what a good job that's been. Yeah. So he is. He Lap mentioned that he loves players with positional versatility, and these three guys who are projected to go around where we're picking at the the end of uh, uh, round one, and even in round two. Hill, Seen and Petrie, um, they can do it all. Um, yeah. Do you pull the trigger on one of them at 31, or do you want more of a classically defined, this is a cornerback, this is a slot corner, and this is a safety? Do you see what I mean? Yeah, I mean, I, I completely understand the the rationale for the per, uh, positional versatility. I think out of the three that you mentioned, Seen is the one that's supposed to be a bit more of a safety, isn't he? Yeah. Um, which I'm not convinced will be a great use of our first pick but yeah i mean i i think they're the two positions i think aren't they the quarterback and the offensive line i think if one of those top guys aren't there you look at those three names i mean that was gonna be one of my questions for you is look if you take some of those top linemen off the board who are the three you know or who three four guys that you think the Bengals will be looking at and i think certainly that would be their next port of call, and there's certainly some certainly some talent there and versatility. You know, with obviously Jesse Bates not being by any means locked in for the few long term, it doesn't seem much movement on that contract. If he is to go next year, it would be worth having someone that potentially potentially could cover um, that position if he was on his way. Yeah, and also they like to play lots of three safety looks, don't they? So um, you know, someone like a Cena or a Daxton Hill could see a bit of action there, rookie here, sitting behind Bates and uh, Bell, but, you know, in those three safety looks. So it's an intriguing one. Um, they, they could, they're they hybrid guys, they can do it all, and maybe that's kind of what they need right now to help out on the corner and also to help out uh, both in the box and down, down in coverage as well. It's interesting. Tight ends, here's another question. Question four in pick six. Tight ends, I've seen the Bengals linked to Trey McBride and also today Greg Dulcich as well. Uh, two uh, very nice-looking um, receiving tight ends. I think we all agree that, you know, even though the Bengals have signed Hayden Hurst, they've, uh, they've got Drew Sample, they've just re-signed Mitchell Wilcox uh, in the past week and they've got Thad Moss as well on the book still. So that room is Pretty well stocked, but I think you're always looking at the future of tight ends, aren't you? I think Sample might be out of contract next year, and uh, Hayden Hurst is only a one-year deal. And and as I mentioned before, it's quite a nice, deep, interesting-looking tight end class. And they've uh, they've had visits with Trey McBride and Greg Dulcich. I like people like Charlie Kola and uh, Cole Turner, I know people like Jelani Woods, you know, so these mid-round guys are available. Um, What happens if they do something like they did in, I think it's 2013, when surprised everyone when they drafted Tyler Eifert in the first round? What happens if they go 
tight end in the first round. What would you be your thoughts on that? I think it'd be a bit of a reach, wouldn't it? I mean, Trey McBride's projected to be probably the best um, tight end in the draft. And I think because of the depth that you could find in rounds two and three, um, I think it would probably be a big reach, wouldn't don't you? I mean, I know people are probably, you know, because obviously that he's probably the main guy in the draft, you know, in that class. There's going to be people that might take a punt on him earlier if they're desperate for a tight end and they don't mm. want the sort of drop off. But, you know, there's some good guys there. Isaiah Likely is a guy that I'm quite keen on from mm. Coastal Carolina. I watched him um, in their bowl game. He looked like a very good, sort of massive, big lad, six foot yeah. four, 245 pounds, you know. Um, and there's a lot, of, a lot of good lads in and around that. Yeah. Um, sort of round two and three marks. So I think as much as it would be aggressive and it would certainly, you know, if you were to go out there and get the top tight end of the class in McBride, I mean, that would be a great move for the Bengals. And you'd say, look, you know, it really gives an extra bit of firepower to that offense to have him and Hayden Hurst. Um, you know, the depth there is fantastic. You can really sort of use them in a few different packages. But from a value perspective, I think taking a tight end in this draft class in the first round might be a little bit premature. Mm. I wouldn't be surprised, but like you, I, I'll, I'll, I'll like in the in the final episode of our little draft cycle, uh, I'll tell you what I think and who should they be doing. But yeah, it's an interesting one. Uh, question uh, five: You're in a pub, right? <laughs> Great uh, start to this one. Uh, Manabria are doing a promotion: Ooh. free Manabrias all night long Ooh. with a month's supply of free beer to take home afterwards as well. Look at that! I've got your attention there, haven't I? What? But there's one catch. Yep. You have to eat a pickled egg before each. Oh, don't. But for each pint, before each pint, for three pints, do you do it? Absolutely not, no. <laughs> Are you joking? Free Manabria all night and then a month no, free supply? For, absolutely not, no. There's no way I'd have a pickled egg for free pies. I'm just not doing Eva. this. And it sounds, I think I'd vomit it up. But then you've got rid of it. So, you know, you can kind of just carry on drinking for the rest of the night. Free <laughs> Manabrias and then you can take home a crate for a month. Oh. Jane, I'd had a, a Manabria for a while. but no, um, right, actually, well, You've got to be thinking now. Right, final question. You're at uh, your family uh, family's house for Easter lunch this weekend, right? And you yep. you see a cousin that you haven't seen for a while, but you've always gotten really well with him. You always had a really good laugh. You can have a drink, and you know, just one of those family members that you're really pleased to see all the time. You get on really, really well. Uh, he reveals during the lunch that he has recently become a Pittsburgh Steelers fan. <laughs> and he just starts needling you and winding you up all throughout the lunch uh, but just by taking the piss out of you and the Bengals and your fandom of the Bengals uh, <laughs> what do you do? Do you cut him off? Do you take him out and have a word and give him a little hiding around the back in the back garden? What do you What do? You do? <laughs> Is this a question of would I or would I not assault one of my family members at Easter lunch? Basically yes <laughs> I'd have to let it slide, you know. I don't mind a bit of friendly banter, but I mean, it would be pretty, pretty gut wrenching. For so three hours, he'd just be needly sitting next year. And uh, my language might get a bit foul, but I don't think I'd resort to violence with a family okay. member's son. All right, he wouldn't do a Will Smith on him then. <laughs> no. not, not quite yet okay well there you go there's pick six for you and that uh, brings us to the end of the episode um Thanks to Dave Lapham, and uh, as ever, he was brilliant, and we can't thank him enough for his time. Uh, next week, all being well, we'll have Joe Goodbury. Uh, we'll be, uh, just during the draft, we'll be doing our Good Morning Bengals breakfast shows online for three days solid, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, for some reaction to our, uh, our picks over the weekend, so that's something to look forward to. We're putting together details for a summer meetup, um, so stay tuned for that. Uh, and we must uh, sort of say um, or send our condolences to the family of Dwayne Haskins, who just shockingly lost his life at the weekend. I think only aged, uh, you know, well, how old was he, Nathan? Twenty-four. He was twenty-five. Twenty-five. Just incredible and incredibly sad and. Look, he played for the Steelers, and we all know how we feel about the Steelers, but uh, that's football, and 
this goes deeper than football. So just an astonishing news. And uh, again, we send, I'm sure I speak for everyone in the fan community, uh, the Bengals fan community in the UK, uh, when we send condolences to all his family, his friends and uh, his teammates too. So RIP Dwayne. Uh, of course, he was a former, he's a pal of Joe Boys, isn't he? And a former teammate as yeah. well. So yeah, very, very sad news. And uh, so yeah, uh, sorry to end things on such sad news, but uh, thank you very much for listening. We've got, we'll have Joe Goodbury next week and uh, we'll go deeper into the draft as Joe likes to do. Uh, so until that moment, it is a who day from me. And a who day from me. Cheers, guys. And it should also be noted that the views and opinions expressed within this podcast do not reflect those of the Cincinnati Bengals organisation.